This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hello, this is President Barack Obama, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. Welcome to episode 89 of THN. We are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 7th. My name is Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not ignoring Matt's desperate cries for help, knowing that I won't cry at his funeral, I'm the artist of Good Plus and the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And my name is Matt Baum. Once again, I've got laryngitis. It's that time of year. At Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not tracing the straight line that runs from my medical issues to my poor decision making, I'm appraising comics and writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. This week, you'll hear reviews of Deadpool number one and Iron Man number one. And then we'll review ten more comics faster than Donald Trump can call for revolution during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where toad licking and a scotch on the rocks will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll make one listener instantly internet famous when we read their question during our monthly Ask a Nerd segment. And of course, we'll be reading your answers to the question of the week. But before we get to all the doomsaying and mourning the death of America, let's give a high five to everyone that voted last Tuesday because not only is it your right as an American citizen to vote for your leaders, but it's your damn civic duty. And then we can talk about this week's big news. Get ready for some new additions to the Justice League's corner of the DC Universe. Alongside the launch of Jeff Johns and David Finch's Justice League of America and all 52 of its variant covers, February will see the debut of two new series spinning out of the title. Katana will star in a new series by current Green Arrow writer Anne Nesenti. Oh, thank God. And artist Alex Sanchez. In an essay describing the new title, Nesenti said, quote, The spirit of Katana lies in the true samurai of long ago. Both those trained to protect nobility and the clans that rose in the countryside to protect villages. They were ruled by codes of honor, bravery, and selflessness. But over the years, many devolved into assassins for hire. Katana will encounter and battle modern-day versions of ancient clans, the Sword Clan and the Dagger Clan. And her antagonists will include Sickle, Coil, and Shackle. This is dumb. Men who have mastered their preferred weapons. That sounds dumb. I hope she doesn't run into machine gun. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Modern samurai clans? (laughs) What are you fucking talking about? Perpetual Punchline Vibe will also get a solo series by Arrow creator Andrew Kreisberg and artist Pete Woods, who we love. The original Cisco Paco Ramon was killed off... (laughs) Just after Crisis on Infinite Earths, and has Cisco rem- Paco, Cisco Paco, oh, Paco Ramon, yeah, they're like Macho Camacho. He, yes, exactly. <laughs> he was killed off just after Crisis on Infinite Pardon Earths. Me. Hector quote Macho Camacho, <laughs> <laughs> and has remained a cautionary tale for creators wanting to inject diversity into their books. <laughs> Vibe's reintroduction in the pages of the upcoming JLA title was announced some months back, and the character appeared briefly in the new 52 Free Comic Book Day issue drawn by Jim Lee. Kreisberg says that the new title will feature Vibe as an agent of Argus, fighting off extra-dimensional incursions in Detroit, a quote, interdimensional hot zone. Detroit. My, my wife just texted me and said, oh my god, I almost bumped into the most amazing cross-eyed person I've ever seen. <laughs> Casey Casey Baum, ladies and gentlemen, she's a humanitarian. Oh, man. And speaking of Arrow, Sweet Tooth's Jeff Lemire and iVampire's Andrea Sorrentino will be the new creative team on Green Arrow. That is fabulous news. Starting with February's issue number 17, when asked about his take on the character, Lemire said, quote, The first thing I thought of with Green Arrow was a chance to do a really hard-hitting crime-slash-superhero book in the tradition of Mike Grell's classic run on the character or Denny O'Neill's question comics from the late 80s and early 90s. Standing ovation. Slow clap. He named two things that I love, Mike Grell and Denny O'Neill. Quite simply, I wanted to make Green Arrow a hunter again, a street-level hero of the gutters caught up in a world of violence, betrayal, and conspiracy. That sound you just heard was thousands of former Green Arrow fans letting out sighs of relief simultaneously. Okay, now let me ask. How did they miss this? They tried something different, and the fans spoke. I don't know why it took 18 months. It seems like the fans spoke twice. Yeah. (laughs) I do hope, though, that it's not like... 
if you watch Arrow, he is basically the Punisher with bow and arrow. Oh, he's not just a Punisher. He kills more people than the Punisher in an episode. He kills of arrow. a lot of guys. There are stacks of bodies when he leaves. It's ridiculous. It's true. But Jeff Lemire taking over that title is a godsend. I. I want to love Green Arrow, and this has to happen. It can't happen fast enough. I think Lemire is a really interesting choice. Here's what I worry about: Lemire is turning into one of those go-to guys to write everything at DC. Sure. Instead of them bringing on more talent to put on various books, you just keep shuffling two or three guys from one book to the next, giving it a little spike in sales. While the rest of it just flounders. We move Anna Senti off of Green Arrow. She goes to this Katana Katana book that sounds stupid. I'm sorry. I'm not just trying to be glib internet hater guy, but that sounds dumb. That sounds really dumb. And honestly, I'm fine with Katana. I don't think she's a character that needs her own book. I agree. It's been a complaint of fans for years. Why isn't there more diversity? More diversity. And DC has tried to like, look. You know, Static Shock, here's this, here's right. that. I hate to say it, but those books just don't sell. And when you force it, it just doesn't work. And I, they don't sell because it's not like, here's Static Shock by Jeff Johns. Right. You know, it's Static Shock by Adam Beechin or whoever it was. Sorry, Adam Beechin. I don't, I don't remember was who it wrote Adam? it. I don't think it was Adam Beechin. No, Scott McDaniel. Yes. Uh, yes. John Rosam, who was an original Milestone guy, wrote it for a while. Then right. Scott McDaniel took it over and it went off the rails. Regardless, they don't put huge talent on on some of these books because you know the confidence isn't there that the audience is big enough right. i don't think katana is popular enough to support her own ongoing let alone vibe well i mean the vibe thing kind of sounds fun it's a little silly like, i don't know the idea that I like detroit is a hotbed of interdimensional activity sure. well it's a hotbed certainly <laughs> i'll say that for detroit but yeah the new books you know whatever we'll see justice league of america needs to knock it off with the variant covers but this jeff lemire news is is good news at least for this title and you know the dude's losing sweet tooth so yeah he's got an opening yeah no definitely he's got an opening i hope you love the sound of my voice guys continuing dc's february shakeups hellblazer vertigo's longest running series and as of the new 52 reboot the longest running series at dc period is coming to a close with February's issue 300. Boo. <laughs> the finale will be written and drawn by the current creative team of Peter Milligan and Giuseppe Camincoli. However, fans won't have to wait long for more solo adventures of the chain-smoking anti-hero. March will see the launch of Constantine Number 1 by Exo Manowar writer Robert Venditti and artist Renato Geddes? 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 Geddes. You know I bet it's Geddes. You know who we mean. Here's the kicker, though. The new series will take place in the proper DCU. Gweds. Gweds. <laughs> right alongside the Tales of Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, oh, and the Ravagers. There it goes. Not Vertigo. I was going to say Grifter, but Grifter's already canceled. Why yeah. kick it while it's Long down? gone. In an interview with the Associated Press, Venditti said, quote, He's going to be the same age that he is in Justice League Dark, and the same character that people know and recognize, the drinking and smoking, the con man aspect of him, that's going to be very much part of the series. I, uh... Two things about this totally f***ing suck. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll start with Robert Vendetti. I hope it doesn't water down EXO. I like Vendetti. I like what he's doing on EXO Manowar a lot. Here's what completely sucks. My favorite Hellblazer stories of all time, the Garth Ennis Hellblazers, the Warren Ellis Hellblazers, the Alan Moore Hellblazers. You can't do that in the regular DCU. You can't do it. <laughs> this These is what I'd like to be see. watered down Hellblazer this stories. This is what I'd and like to sucks. see. I'd like to see Superman team up with Constantine in the first issue and experience John doing something quite like what you just described. Right. And then it, it, Superman is broken. Why do you think they're doing this? Do you? I mean, it's, is it? They're just trying to make more money. They're okay, saying. Okay, but listen, how many more copies of uh, Constantine do you really think they'll be able to sell over Hellblazer? I'm calling my shot right now. They will sell less of this than they do of the regular Hellblazer. The regular Hellblazer does not make them money in single issues. It makes money in trade paperbacks. Sure, it sells really well in trade paperbacks. When they water it down, they're going to lose the audience that they had. They're going to make even less money on it, and it'll be gone. I bet it's gone in less than a year. Look, I hope it's good, because I don't have anything against uh, Gettys or Robert Venditti. I don't either. I like both those and guys. And I do like that Constantine hangs out in the DC Universe, but 
I liked that he was in both places. Yes. And that you could still have the Hellblazer. You could have your cake and eat it too, essentially. And this is purely a money decision. I know that absolutely they didn't think they could launch they could bite the bullet and launch a Constantine title and keep Hellblazer going because readers are no offense, guys. Readers are stupid, and they lose their minds. <laughs> normal, normal people are stupid. The general public is the general stupid. public, not comic. All of our listeners are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this, I just, this is a baffling business decision. It's a kind of a lateral move. This it's is not a like, bad business. It's not even a lateral move. This is a bad business decision. The only, not the only thing. There's many things that I love about John Constantine, but all of my favorite things. That have happened in Constantine's stories. Think of Son of Man. Think of oh, Garth Ennis' Son of Man. Yeah. Where a mobster gets pregnant with the Antichrist yeah. and gives birth to a butt baby that's yeah. going to take over the world. A terrible butt baby. You're telling me they can do that in the regular DCU? No. This is just dumb. Yeah. And I'm so angry with DC. I get angrier every week. Let's move on. Holes. <laughs> Finally, TV Line is reporting that Count Vertigo will be the latest DC character to make the jump to the small screen. Thank God. Vertigo will appear as a villain in the CW show Arrow sometime early in 2013, joining the likes of China White, Deadshot, Firefly, Deathstroke, and The Huntress. Comic fans that watch the show will agree that Arrow is full of comic book Easter eggs, like naming one of the main characters after Green Arrow year one writer Andy Diggle. And overall, the show tends to embrace its connection to the source material far more than Smallville did in its early days. Now, Matt, I know you weren't 100% sold on Arrow, but what do you think of the show using all of these comic book concepts and bringing them in? I'll say one thing. They got Deadshot completely wrong. Well, yeah, that's just the thing. Here's my point. I don't give a sh** about the comic book concepts. And everyone's going to say, Matt was sick and super grumpy this week. Yeah. He's cussing a lot. The comic book concepts, when they get it wrong, it doesn't do anything for me. You tell me, oh yeah, Deadshot's going to be on the show. And he rides a motorcycle and travels through time. You know, like, wait a minute. Time out. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, that doesn't... He rides a jet ski. It does nothing. It's like X-Men 3. When they were like, oh, yeah, all the Morlocks are going to be there and stuff. And they just started, like, naming off characters that we're supposed to recognize. Yeah. And we're like, who is that? <laughs> you know, like, and they were all super sexy and that's shirtless. That's Mega Red? That's Callisto? You know, yeah. like, it just, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't care about Arrow. Because, first of all, it's not my green arrow. So go ahead. Put these characters in there. I'm not going to care about them either. Because they're not going to be remotely close to the characters that I care about. I will say that Arrow... I'm not just sick and grumpy, by the way. <laughs> I've been in a good mood all day. It's true. I have a pinched nerve. I have laryngitis. I'm on a lot of drugs right now, and I'm drinking whiskey. But this, I'm I just not, don't care. We might not make it to the end of the show, let's no. be honest. I Personally, I am kind enjoying Arrow as a guilty pleasure. Really? It, yeah. I, I, don't, like, I don't watch Arrow because I think it's a faithful comic book I watched adaptation. two episodes, and I was just done. Is I it think a well-written show? It's entertaining enough that I've watched four episodes. Would you call it well-written? It's not the worst thing. Your Honor, could you direct the witness to answer the question? It's, it's adequately written. Answer the question, Mr. Patrick. You can't... Adequate? I'm in the same room. That trick Adequate. does not work on me. Your time is worth adequacy. I get enough out of it that I enjoy it. I like the comic book references. I'm a simple man, all right? Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> they do get a lot of things way off. They're in Starling City. Starling City, for one thing. Which, if we're talking that it's Star City, it's on the West Coast. Right. California or Pacific Northwest, somewhere in there. Yeah, I always pictured it like Portland or Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they made references to Bloodhaven, which is on the East Coast, and Iron Heights, which is in the Midwest. <laughs> and they're just like saying, comic thing, comic thing, comic thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Kate Spencer was the DA in the last episode. Kate Spencer is Manhunter. Right. But they never said that. And so, you know, what you, on one hand, it's cute, but I know enough about comics that now I'm finding it kind of annoying when yeah, I get it it's so just, it's, way off. It's Hollywood writers that don't know anything about it, just picking names. Go, give me a name, intern nerd. And he goes, uh, Kate Spencer. And they go, all right, whatever, <laughs> you know. Oh, one of the characters on the show is named Felicity Smoke, S-M-O-A-K, which is a stupid name. And I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? Why does that name sound so familiar? And I looked it up. Felicity Smoke. Is Firestorm's stepmom. Oh, God. <laughs> From the 80s. Come She's on. not even a character anymore. See, like, this is just ridiculous. Ronnie Raymond's stepmom. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where Joe Patrick and I have posted our Arrow Edition tapes for the roles of Rainbow Raider and the Codpiece, who, during a foiled bank robbery, catch arrows through both of their eyes and end up with their skulls pinned to the wall by the bloodthirsty Oliver Queen. The Codpiece is a real character created in Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. I'm the Codpiece, by the way. You're the Rainbow Raider. <laughs> sure, fair enough. Obviously. <laughs> Each week, the Rainbow Raider Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and then we read your responses on the show. This week's question was, what's your favorite interpretation of a comic book character outside of comics? You know, like movies, video games, cartoons, etc. What are these nerds saying, Joe? We got a response here from John, who goes by Script Samurai on Twitter, who writes in saying... Welcome aboard, John. Welcome aboard. Gambit from the 90s X-Men animated series. Really? Such an atypical character style, even for Marvel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. How do you say booyah, <laughs> mon cher? Switching over to Facebook, Daniel Lopez says, uh, he seconds X-Men the animated series. I used to get bootleg copies of bootleg copies just to watch the episodes that I missed. That's dedication. Michael Robertson, uh, a couple of people actually said, I really, really liked Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. I agree. Ryan Forrest, who we will mention again later in the show. Our in-house counsel. Yeah, the mouthpiece. Ryan uh, loved David Hasselhoff's Nick Fury. He said white, two-eyed Nick Fury before somebody wisely corrected him. He wore an eye patch. He did wear an eye patch. And you know what? He was a pretty good Nick Fury. <laughs> I actually don't hate the Nick, uh, the D- Nick Fury. He was cigar chomping Nick Fury. It was, at the time, a very faithful adaptation really of the comic it book. It really was. Yep. Jason Coldner on Facebook says, the Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, Kevin Conroy, Batman. Oh, yeah. From Batman, the animated series, hands down. I feel like that one's almost too easy. Uh, yes. Our friend John Bunger wrote in with some answer and then wrote in immediately saying, Oh, my God, for- I just remember the Batman animated, seri- animated series. Forgot I- forget I said anything. Justin O'Connor says, probably... Uh, this will be good. <laughs> probably China's She-Hulk in the Triple X Avengers. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for that, Justin. <laughs> Our good friend Ora McWilliams writes in O-Mac. and says, who we, "Who we lovingly refer to as Omac? Omac. My favorite is Matt's Thundercats Superman crossover, which Matt is going to describe in great detail later in the show. That's got it. We've got to air that. <laughs> we already didn't. We already talk about that. I don't think before? we did. I don't think we ever did. All right. All right. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that in the audio blog. That'll be a reason for you to go check out the audio blog. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The Superman Thundercats crossover. Gri- my Superman Thundercats crossover. <laughs> it was gripping. I'm crying just thinking Goose about pumps, it. Goosebumps, ladies and gentlemen. So we're off to a good start. We'll read some more later on in the show. Sounds like fun. It's review time at THN, where each week we sit down and make an informed decision on what direction two comics will take us into the nerdy future before voting for them. Joe Patrick, what comic book did you select on your ballot this week? This week I voted for Iron Man number one from Marvel Comics, written by Kieran Gillen, with pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Leaston, and colors by Guru FX. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Tony Stark, Iron Man, technological visionary, wealthy playboy, unparalleled engineer, and armored Avenger. His greatest invention becomes his greatest mistake. Iron Man must act fast, and Tony Stark must build faster. The lethal technovirus Extremis is out in the wild and out for grabs to the highest bidder. It's up to Tony Stark to contain it, and that means creating a new suit of armor now! Ooh. I like that. Yeah, I got the base today. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this was the Marvel Now relaunch title that I was least excited about, at least in terms of the major titles. Kieran Gillen brings us as Tony Stark, who's been shaken by the events of Avengers vs. X-Men and finds himself questioning things he's always believed or rather didn't believe. I think this take on the character is pretty interesting and I want to see where it goes, but unfortunately we only get a few pages of that before the main plot about the return of Extremis kicks into gear. I think Gillen has a good handle on Tony's voice. It's not a jarring departure from Matt Fraction's Tony Stark, so it doesn't feel like we're reading about a completely different character. I haven't been the biggest fan of Greg Land in recent years, so I was pretty worried about what he'd bring to this series, and unfortunately, 
He performed about as well as I expected. Yeah. Uh, while La- Land is great at dramatic poses, his action is stiff, and all of his characters look like underwear models. Is he great at dramatic poses? Really? Uh, you think so? Because I think some of his dramatic poses just look weird. Hmm, and I feel like fair. I've seen a lot of them a lot. Sure. Like, every time a woman turns around and does that, like, hands in the air, s- smiling like she's crazy thing, you know, like, it's like that weird manic emma frost pose that he always wants to draw it's the same complaints that fans have been having for years about his art being too photo referenced which isn't to say that land's art doesn't work well in some places it's not that he's all bad in fact he's very good i think at his particular style and some of his scenes are excellent it also works really well with the colors by guru effects and i actually think the new suit is pretty cool yeah, no, I thought it looked cool too. Pepper Potts was way too hot. <laughs> They're all way, way too hot. Too, and not to mention, everybody looks Asian. Everybody has Asian. What's eyes. wrong with that? A racist. I wish I was Asian. Okay. My point being, wow. Tony Stark is not Asian. You know who else isn't? Pepper Potts. You know who else isn't? Everyone in America that appears in this comic book. Maybe one or two of them might be, but every character looks Asian. What is that? I don't know, but we're going to stop talking about it before we get into trouble. Not that Asians are bad. You know, I right. love them. You know, some of my best friends are Asians. I've had sex with tons of Asians. I love Asian <laughs> people. All in all, these guys aren't really reinventing the wheel. It's still the Iron Man we know. And if it weren't for the big Marvel now promotional push, I don't think this would have merited a new number one. I think... Greg Land and Kieran Gillen would have just taken over with Iron Man 528. Yeah, absolutely. But instead, we're getting this, and so, hey, number one, hooray. But the story's interesting. The art isn't completely offensive, and I'm on board for more of these guys. I guess when it comes down to it, bad art can ruin a great story, but there's nothing about Greg Land that I find so objectionable that I couldn't get through it and enjoy it for one. No, and I agree. This looked better than a lot of the stuff that he did for Uncanny X-Men. And I wasn't sure it was going to work, but he does draw the tech pretty well. Yeah. The suit looks good. The thing is, is that I know Greg Land can draw. He can. Because I was around when he came on the scene and he drew Birds of Prey. And it was amazing. And Nightwing. And it was amazing. And then he went over to CrossGen and he did that book Sojourn. And that's where things really started to look photo referenced. Photo reference is not bad. It's that when you are drawing... uh, Characters in poses that you can clearly find in a Victoria's Secret catalog. Yes. It's like, that's not good photo reference. That's tracing. Here's my question. At the end of the Matt Fraction Iron Man, Iron Man went, thanks, everybody. This is great. Going into space. Right. That's another thing. It doesn't really track. Going to space. Go find the future. And then you're like, and then in the first couple pages, they're like, well, you're back from space. No, 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 no. They never once referenced space. No, Pepper said something about it. No, she didn't. She said, where have you been? You know, we need you at the company. The company can't run without you. And Tony's like, whatever. The company's fine. And I'm okay with that because this is supposed to be a jumping on point. Right. I got it. It's a new number one. I got it. We don't want to reference a lot from the past. And if they want to say that Tony's adventures in space... That will be probably in Guardians of the Galaxy. Take place in between the end of Invincible Iron Man and the beginning of this book. I'm fine with it. Fine, but mention it. Mention it to see what we're talking about. Watch for, you know, Well, whatever. that book is five months away. So, so, so what? Give us a little away. editor's note with an asterisk. Eh. Well, I mean, maybe they're just choosing not to mention it and we'll see. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still on board. I like the book. It was very well written. Yeah. Karen Gillan is... Probably perfect to write Tony Stark's yes, dialogue. Yes, he's very good. Yeah. And so I'm giving it a buy it. Obviously, I'm not super enthusiastic about it, but this was never really advertised as a brand new take on the Armored Avenger that no, you've never seen before. No. You know, so this is just more Iron Man as we know him, and it's fine. And I got to say, it reminds me very much of Matt Fraction's first story, The Five Nightmares, where... Where Tony's stuff is repurposed where as Tony's weapons. Tony's tech is taken and repurposed as weapons. We'll see where it goes, where it diverges, because this is AIM that's doing it. Which is fun. I love it. And Extremist is a fun idea, yep. and I'm glad they're bringing that back. It is a cool idea. So, we'll see. I'm giving it a buy it, but I think it's fair to say that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a lot of leeway with me. I'm not giving it a very long leash. Uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to get tired of it at a moment's notice because the Greg Land stuff ugh, I can just do without it yeah it could weigh me down too I give it a bite as well on the strength of Kieran Gillen's writing absolutely because I love Kieran Gillen 
loved his uh, Uncanny X-Men, loved his journey into mystery, loved his Thor that he wrote too. Sure. And I think this is going to be a fun story. I could get weighed down by Greg Land pretty quick. We'll have to see how it goes. He might not be on the book for too long, and it doesn't seem like that guy can draw more than a handful of issues. Before you know who would love him? Top Cow. <laughs> they would love that guy. Let's move on. Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read Deadpool, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn, with art by Terry Moore. Here's your solicit. Tony Moore. <laughs> oh, God. With art... <laughs> With art by Tony Moore. Strangers in Paradise creator, Terry Moore. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Here's your solicit. And it's a real solicit. So was Iron Man. No bullet points. I was impressed. Maybe they're getting away from that. Yeah. Maybe they heard that I was looking for a job and I'm like, oh, crap. No. (laughs) Dead former United States presidents from George Washington to Gerald Ford have been resurrected. And that's bad. The Marvel heroes can't be the ones to stop them. Someone is needed with a reputation, skills, and plausible deniability to take out these calm monsters in chief. Now, it's the time for Deadpool in Wade We Trust. The book starts out with a fun premise, a bearded lunatic in what appears to be a shield uniform. He is wearing a shield uniform. Is resurrecting dead presidents, in this case, Harry S. Truman, to save America. And when the American public sees Captain America beheading the ex-zombie <laughs> president, I love that. it doesn't play very well in the media. The headline on the paper was Cap Snaps in... Uh, <laughs> Hold on, I got it right here. Cap Snaps in Scrap, Caps. Decapitan America stars in Truman Show. Yeah, so great. It's a picture of Cap hacking the president's <laughs> head off with his shield. <laughs> So the big wigs at S.H.I.E.L.D. decide they need someone else to do their dirty work, and that someone is, you guessed it, Deadpool. When I saw that Brian Posehn, one of my favorite stand-up comedians and avid metal fan, was going to be co-writing Deadpool, I was very interested. You know what? That dude loves Slipknot. Loves Slipknot. Lots of people do. I'm not a Slipknot fan, personally. The mask rock just doesn't do it for me. Hmm. I get it. I know why people like it. And I will say, Slipknot, very nice guys. I've met them. Okay. Very nice people. All right. I got to give him and co-writer Jerry Duggan some credit. This is wholly original territory. The wackiness is still very much present here. Maybe not the same Looney Tunes vibe that Daniel Way brought to the book, but a definite wackiness. And it was funny. And it was a little cute. But I got to say, I still didn't love it. Really? I really... Maybe I'm still pining for the Joe Kelly, Christopher Priest, Deadpool, but it just didn't do a whole lot for me here. It's not terrible. In fact, Tony Moore is fantastic here, and the Jeff Darrow cover is nothing short of amazing. The panel when we first meet Deadpool is disgusting, and it's funny. And again, I don't blame the creators here. They did a fine job with this issue. I just think maybe I've moved past Deadpool. It... If you're a Deadpool fan, then by all means, buy this. And I plan on giving the next couple issues a read, but something here just left me missing something that I used to love about this character. And I'm saying, I'm the problem. It's not Brian Pusain, not Jerry Duggan, certainly not Tony Moore, who really is great here. This just isn't doing it for me. I'm giving it a buy it, but it's a very uneasy buy it. Like, I'm giving it a buy it because I recognize... You're giving it a buy it based on the craft, not based on your appreciation of the material. I'm trying to look past how I feel about the character. You don't have to be uneasy about it. No, I'm just saying this is a good comic. It just, man, I miss... It's not your cup of tea. I miss something so much from that original Joe Kelly Deadpool series See, that they just never recaptured. And it. I actually thought that this was very reminiscent of the old Joe Kelly. Maybe Deadpool. we'll end up there. Maybe we will. Because you know what didn't happen? Multiple personalities. Yeah, I'm sick of that crap. A dozen different caption boxes where Deadpool's talking to himself. That was nonsense. Right. It, like he's Inspector Gadget who accidentally saves the day because he's right. so nuts. This, you know, is, like, this is Deadpool who's sick of that. very funny. And certainly very unbalanced. But Daniel Way's Deadpool was flat out insane. Yeah, he was Bugs Bunny with guns. And Joe Kelly's Deadpool... It wasn't even Bugs Bunny. He was old school Daffy Duck with yeah. guns. Like, woo And woo-hoo, Joe, woo-hoo. Kelly, Joe Kelly's Deadpool was 
wacky and funny and unstable. And, and that's what I... And good at his job. And I feel like he was good at his job Like, here. if Deadpool gets in a fight with you, he's gonna mess you up. Yeah. You know? Like, the, like, Daniel Way's Deadpool just became so wackadoo. Cartoonish. Yeah. And, and I thought that this was much more reminiscent of that Deadpool that I loved from the early 90s than the, the Deadpool we've been getting. I laughed many times reading this. And I haven't found Deadpool funny in a long time. The scene where the scene where he first appears is genuinely I, I chuckled. It was and cute. Then, that was cute. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of one liners. I don't know if I should say them on the show because I don't want to spoil them for anybody. But he just little like toss uh, toss away lines that he says when he's fighting, for example. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who is in a wheelchair, he makes a wheelchair joke that I'm not going to repeat because I want you to experience it for yourself. But I like I put the book down and I like belly laugh. It was funny. And again, I think I'm projecting. Uh, and that's all I'm doing. You know, where he meets Thor and Thor is like, this never happened. Yeah, we did not team <laughs> yeah. up. I just it was a good book with great art. And I haven't liked Deadpool for a long time. And I'm not saying I won't drop this book like a bad habit at its first sign of a dip in quality, but for now, this is way much closer to the Deadpool I loved than what we've been having. I'm giving this one a strong buy it. I really enjoyed it. I'm staying with it for a little while because I want to see if that's where it goes. All right. Of course, we want to know what you capitalists and cancer victims thought of these comics, so let us know how wordy and wacky our reviews were over at the comments section for this episode on TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's that time again where Joe and I open our briefcase to reveal our red and gold two-headed suit of exo-armor that will allow us to rocket into the sky at speeds exceeding the sound barrier while lugging a ten-ton bag of crap all the way to New York where we'll take a giant dump on Trump (laughs) Tower to add insult to Donald's election woes. But on the way, we'll be reviewing ten of this week's new comics during the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed, go! Forty-seven Ronin, number one from Dark Horse. I realize that this is adapted from an amazing piece of Japanese literature, and I love samurais just as much as the next guy. But holy damn, this was boring. I did not care. Stan Sakai is great here and draws really pretty pictures. I just could not get into it. I fell asleep like 18 times while I tried to read it. I feel really bad because it's an important piece of Japanese history. I just, I'm not interested. I'm sorry. Skim it because I can't get to leave it to anything as Stan Sakai does. AVX Consequences, number five, Marvel. You know, I'm not saying you need it or that it was worth doing as its own miniseries, but I actually ended up kind of enjoying AVX Consequences. Kieran Gillen wrote it. It's a fun story about Cyclops. You know, deciding whether or not he wants to be a martyr or a fugitive. And it has a nice ending that sets up the uh, newly announced Uncanny X-Men title from Bendis and Bocciolo. And I really enjoyed it. I'm giving this one a buy it. But, you know, don't race out and get it or anything. You don't necessarily need it. <laughs> Storm Dogs, number one from Image. Doug Braithwaite is very impressive here as usual. But he's drawing a completely alien landscape. And I don't ever remember seeing him do that. He's also doing some really cool-looking original monstrous aliens. It's a really fun murder mystery brewing. But in the end, when the sentient aliens showed up, all I could think was, Avatar? Really? I heard it's the good, like, it's like Mass Effect meets a detective story. Sort of. Yes, sort of. Buy it. All right. Good stuff. Going to be fun. Freelancers, number one. Boom. Uh, This is a story about female bounty hunters that were raised by an orphanage that's also a dojo. Ah. Is this like Ninjets? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Isn't Ninjets also Boom? Or no, it's Dynamite. No, that's Dynamite. Dynamite. That's a spinoff of Jennifer Blood. That's right. It, this wasn't very good. It, it's very cliched. It's sexy bounty hunters that know Kung Fu, but they're also poor and they really need that next job. Oh, I feel like I've read this comic a million times before. I'm giving it a leave it. It's only a dollar. I guess I'll give it a skim it on the basis that it's a dollar. I'm so sick of poor Kung Fu masters. <laughs> but yeah. I just, I couldn't care. Every homeless dude is a black belt. I couldn't care less. Perhapanauts, Danger Down Under, number one from Image. Never picked up an issue of Perhapanauts. And I picked this one up, and it's a fun little recap that brings you up to speed in the front. And it was great. I jumped right in. It was a lot of fun. It's well written. The story runs really quick. They got a Sasquatch on the team. That's a great way to grab me right there. 
buy it. This was a lot of fun. Hey, all right. Still reading it. G.I. Joe Danger Girl number four from IDW. I applaud your gumption of sticking <laughs> with this one, sir. I actually put this in my five because I thought it was the final issue. It is not. There's one issue to go. But I kept it in my five because Roadblock makes a body massage joke. Oh, God. No, and it was hilarious. Okay. He's in a room full of Cobra Vipers, and he says, who wants a body massage? And the Viper <laughs> looks at him and goes, what? And then he destroys him and goes, body massage. <laughs> it was really funny. This has been a fun series. It's goofy. It's stupid even. But it's classic G.I. Joe, high adventure, Lady James Bond, fun action. I'm giving it a buy it. What do you, I mean, what are you, too good for it? Hellraiser, the road below number one from Boom. Brandon Seifert, who wrote Witch Doctor, is writing this miniseries. And that's why I picked it up. I kind of got lost on the rest of the Hellraiser books. They just went in a direction I don't really care about. The main character from the first Hellraiser movie, uh, Car- I can't remember her name now, Carrie maybe, has turned into the new Pinhead. She's certainly not the scary Pinhead that I remember. She's kind of glib and sort of a bitch. And I just don't really care. And I don't think I'm going to care about this either, which is too bad because I really like Brandon Seifert. Give it a leave it. Hey, Colder, number one from Dark Horse. This is a new horror book from Dark Horse by Paul Tobin with art by... uh, The last name is Ferraria. I don't remember the first name. Listen, the art was gorgeous. It was beautifully drawn. Juan. I think it's Juan Ferraria. Yeah, that is Uh, his name, Juan Ferraria. It was really good looking. Uh, And the story is just... Crazy go nuts. It's bonkers. I don't understand what's going on. There's like this avatar of insanity or something crawling around, eating people's souls, making crazy guys, like making him immortal, making him get colder. That's the title of the book. His body temperature is like 40 below zero or something. And he's been alive since the 40s and he's a young dude. Jesus. There's a lot going on here. I don't really understand it. But Paul Tobin set up enough of it. That he didn't make it feel confusing. He made me want to know more. Nice. So he doesn't give you the whole thing in in the first. He's not spoon feeding you. Yes. And so it's something that you're gonna have to go back to and piece it together. The art I can't stress enough was beautiful. I'm giving this book a strong buy. It. This is a great book from Dark Horse. Uncanny X Force number thirty three from Marvel. This has the single best death scene I have ever <laughs> witnessed in a comic book. Yeah, I loved it. It's pretty I'm good. Spoil it for you right now. Don't do it. I'm not going to spoil. Don't spoil it. it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Dokken is here. He's leading a group of heroes that are trying to get young kid Apocalypse to transform into Apocalypse, basically just to piss Wolverine off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love this book. You know what? Phil Noto can't draw Deadpool. <laughs> he can't do it. Tony Moore drew a really gross, like, you know, cancer-covered, tumor Deadpool. And in this, he's just like, his mask comes off and he's just some dude. You know, like, ah, you can't go back to that. Oh, well, now, hold on. In recent issues of Daniel Way's Deadpool, he had been cured. So he was looking normal for a while. Well, he's certainly not looking that way in his new book. But I don't know. Regardless. Huge bite as usual. This book is so damn good and so well written. I'm really going to miss this one when it goes. Shadow Man, number one from Valiant. Uh, the latest in the Valiant relaunch. This one is by Justin Jordan, writer of Strange Talent of Luther Strode, with art by Patrick Zercher, who we really like here yes. on the Two Headed Nerd. Yes. Uh, it was pretty good. I thought it was fun. I liked it. Uh, it. You know, it didn't grab me as much as books like Bloodshot or Archer and Armstrong did. But I still am on board. I think it's fun. It's got a super gross villain yes. named Mr. Twist that's yes. made out of flesh and entrails from dead like bodies. All twisted together, basically. Yeah. And I just don't know if I'm like super interested in the whole you know, New Orleans voodoo dream, um, night side or whatever they call it aspect of it. Yeah. I, I'm pretty excited about this one. I thought but it was a lot of fun. I'm giving it a bite. I thought it was well done. Yeah, but, I think it's another good day for No Valiant. I'm giving it a bite as well. Yeah. That is your ludicrous speed round and It's the sound it makes when Mr. Twist fires one of his guts projectiles into a cop's mouth. Joe Patrick thought it might be something else they look that like, he was shooting in the mouth. They look like gross wieners. <laughs> Jesus, man. In this week's Shadow Man, number one, you have filthy mindset. <laughs> now... Join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, just above the Ziggurat Studio, where our good friend Mortimer Toynbee, a.k.a. The Toad, awaits us with a fine bottle of Lafroy Scotch. 
Today, we'll be toasting to our good friend and then licking the warts on his back. Because just like the Colorado River Toad, they excrete a psychoactive toxin that will allow our consciousness to expand into the near future where we will glimpse the secrets of next week's comics. Joe, what comic has Mr. Toynbee's Bufotoxins revealed to you? You're a Bufotoxin. A Bufotoxin, your mom. <laughs> oh. My pick for next week is all-new X-Men number one from Marvel Comics by B.M. Bendis and Stuart Immonen. I forgot about B.M. Bendis. <laughs> this is the relaunch of the X-Men franchise in the Marvel Now universe, and I am very excited to see Bendis take on something else to get away from the Avengers and tackle a new franchise for a while. Stuart Immonen, I can't get enough of that guy. I love him. I'm glad I to see him on a book. I love him. And I just am really excited to see where Bendis takes the X-Men, and this is where it all starts. I'm excited, starts. too. I'm super pumped for this. Matt, tell us what the toxins have done to your brain. My pick for next week is Where is Jake Ellis, number one, from Image Comics by Nathan Edmondson and Tanchi Zanjik. I'm not going to go into how much we loved the first miniseries. We voted it the best miniseries of 2011 in our THN Best Of show. Did we? Well, I did anyway. I don't know if you did. Who can remember? I picked it. You mean our first annual Golden Beppo show? No, the first Golden Beppo show. It will be the second annual this year. <laughs> you got to do it more than one year in a row before it's an annual event. Yeah, fair I'm really excited for this book. I, it's one of the strongest characters Nathan Edmondson has come up with. I'm really really pumped for more of this the last one ended so well perfectly so well perfectly pick this one up the THN graphic novel pick of the week is Fables Werewolves of the Heartland hardcover graphic novel from Vertigo that's right I said novel by Bill William Greg Hamilton and Jim Fern here's your solicit Bigby Wolf embarks on a quest through the American heartland to find a new location for Fable Town. In his wanderings, Bigby stumbles across a small town named Story City that seems to be populated by werewolves. What? What? Who are they, and where did they come from? They seem to already know and revere Bigby, but at the same time they've captured and caged him. But why? Unraveling the many mysteries of Story City may cost Bigby more than his life. See, now wouldn't you rather watch that than Once Upon a Time? <laughs> I mean, really. I wish the Fables TV show had gotten made. I but do too, because Once Upon a Time sucks. I don't care what my wife says. <laughs> I am very excited for this Fables OGN. The last one they put out on A Thousand and One Nights of Snowfall oh. was so good. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even caught up in the series and I just read it. It leveled me. It was so good. Fables is... Fables, I'll admit it, it took a little dip there after they uh, wrapped up the huge overarching storyline that had been propelling it for so long, but it's been awesome, and I can't wait for this. As always, we want to know what type of hallucinogenic toad you like to suck on and what you plan on reading next week. So let us know over at the comments section for this episode at TwoEditNerd.com. Did you know that there's a town in Arkansas named Toad Suck? Arkansas, yes. Yeah. Well aware. I gotta start doing movie trailers with this voice. In a world. Say, in a world. In a world. Oh, man. With no justice, one man stands alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was disgusting, and I'm glad that's over with. Joe Patrick, before we move along, why don't you read us some more tweets and Facebook answers to the question of the week. Stephen Colner writes in, I can't believe no one has mentioned this, but Aquaman in Batman the Brave and the Bold cartoon oh, yeah. was life-changing. Oh, yeah. It was great. Uh, Omac, our buddy Aura, writes in again with a serious suggestion saying he loved the Batman Dead End fan film, which was the one where Batman fights the Predator and oh, the yeah. aliens. Oh, yeah. And that, that is cool. really great. A lot of votes for Batman, uh, the Batman Arkham games, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Without a doubt. Andy Peters says, in addition to Arkham City, every character except Bane in Arkham City he loves. Yeah. He also loved the Supergirl, the version of Supergirl found in the animated Superman Batman film, the uh, Apocalypse one. It was the adaptation oh, yeah, of that yeah. Michael Turner story. <clears throat> it was better than the Michael Turner story. <laughs> uh, that's true enough. Jared Savitas writes in saying, David Hyde Pierce as Emperor Zombie in the animated adaptation of The Amazing Screw-On-Head. Okay. Perfecto. That's brave. I, <laughs> I like that pick. I love it. That's a great pick. And finally, 
We have a good one here from our buddy Sean, co-host of the Pull List podcast and Signed In podcast. Check both of those out. Patrick Warburton as The Tick and Wesley Snipes as Blade. How did I not think of Patrick Warburton? Blade is a comic I could never get into, but the movies had an appeal, I agree. The first two. The first two. The Tick, however, blew me away at how it brought, quote-unquote, life to characters I would never had thought would be seen on TV or the movie screen. Arthur was great, too. Plucky, pimpled teen. You no longer need this magic hubcap. <laughs> magic was inside you all along. I love the tick. Uh, nobody mentioned the tick cartoon, though, which I adore. I would argue the, the tick cartoon right directly out of the pages of the comics. Absolutely. There, yeah. is some, there are some episodes of the tick cartoon that are word for word. Oh, yeah. And I love them, don't get me wrong, but maybe not an adaptation that was different from the comics, is all I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. Those are all great answers, guys. Thanks again, as always, knocking it out of the park week after week. We'll be back with another question of the week on our next episode. Once again, it's time to reach deep into the digital THN mailbag and give one lucky listener the chance to ask a nerd whatever they need to know. Gross. This week... The THN mouthpiece Ryan Forrest asks, What's the acceptable time frame to refrain from spoilers in monthly books? For example, Walking Dead 100 had a major death, but some people wait for collections. Am I refrained from publicly spoiling it until the collection comes out? I think you keep quiet for one week from the release date and then it's fair game. This Matt, is an excellent question. It is. What do you think? Unlike movies, like I would say a year after the movie has come out, you should have seen it. We can, and I mean, it's just off the wall. The, the, you know, Bruce Willis is dead. Sorry. What? <laughs> you know, like he's a ghost the whole time. What? You should have seen that damn movie by now. You know, with comics, I think because there are so many choices and so many people reading different things, you have to say, have you read this yet? If not, can I spoil it for you? And I don't think that there's a window. I think it, it because there's so much stuff to read. Yeah, I, I think there's people that haven't read Kingdom Come. There's people that haven't read The Dark Knight Returns. You know, I mean, right? Well, seminal to- works where it's like well, this. You, this is what like Watchmen. You're like, oh, right. You got to read Watchmen. You got to read Watchmen. Right. Giant Squid. You know, you can't do that as you're putting it in somebody's right. hands that's never read it for the first time. I think you have to preface every one of these conversations, whether it's The Walking Dead. Spoiler 100. alert: Giant Squid. Yeah, sorry. You have to preface all these conversations with "Have you read it yet?" and "Are you going to?" Do you want me to ruin it? Yeah, for you? that's what happened. That's what we do at Legend because we're constantly talking about everything that we see and read. And Ryan specifies monthly books, but I think the same kind of nerd, polite nerd rules have to apply to anything pop culture. I think it just goes across the board. Yeah, because like I wouldn't say, "Have you seen Walking Dead the TV show?" Oh man, you won't believe what happens when X character dies. Right. When you know full well that that person's going to watch that show. Right. And the same thing with. Well, and even TV has changed now that you've got like Netflix and you've got Amazon yeah. and Instant View. And I think. So people can go and revisit this stuff if they missed it. So anymore, you've just got to be like, are you going to watch it? And right. If so, I won't ruin it for you. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think that there's a set time frame after which it becomes acceptable. No. To just flat out be a jerk and say, guess what? Giant squid. Right. But. I think that, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody and you go, you, you say, look, have you read this book? Are you going to? Do you care? Because let me tell you why I think it's amazing. Right. ABC spoiler. I think it's just part of the deal. Yeah. And like, if we're talking like 10 years have gone by and you make a post on Facebook that says uh, uh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Yeah. Who's going to be mad at you for that? Uh, of course. But I, I'm saying there's a there's certainly a reasonable end point where you can say okay look it's been three or four right. years and you have not the skinny nerd is kaiser solze okay there it is <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. i mean it's a tough question and my honest opinion is that it's got to be on a case-by-case basis it depends on who you're talking to you gotta ask you just have to ask who else is in the room right if you're in a room full of your closest buddies and you know you're all on the same page then go for it but you know i think you have to we ask. live in a society yeah you have to ask it's but just that is a really good question part of the nerd rules thank you for the question ryan and we appreciate your further legal service activities and services that you provide the two-headed nerd comic cast including the paperwork that i need to pick up for our llc if you've got a question that you would like to ask the two-headed nerd 
feel free to send us an email with the subject, Ask a Nerd. That's important because we get a lot of emails. And in able to search and find these questions, it helps to have a subject line that says Ask a Nerd. So, subject line, Ask a Nerd, and then any questions on the table. Anything. Yeah, and if you'd it like gets to- lost in all of our weird porn true. emails that we get. A lot of weird porn emails. Yeah, our Triple X Avengers, we're on the mailing list from somewhere. And dudes, don't be afraid to challenge DJ over here. I yearn for it. In a comic book trivia duel. <laughs> Listen, if you're tra- if you're challenging me in a trivia duel, put in the subject line "Ask a Nerd Trivia." Yeah, and, and I will not read it. I will check it. He will not. So help yeah, me. I put my hand in the air and my other hand on my heart. The boy believes in heaven. He's gonna do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of sort break of, it break it down, down like down this. Like that this. is it for the post-election coverage edition of THN. If two liberal crybabies celebrating the fact that their president is going to get beat up by the GOP like a nerd on the playground for four more years, <laughs> you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. Where? You want to prove your THN love? Please, please, please leave us a star rating and even possibly a short written review. Couple more reviews. Uh, I hadn't checked it in a while. A couple of new reviews up there. Thanks, hey, guys. All right, they help get us into the iTunes top ten. That is the goal. Because who knows if we can do that? Maybe we'll get a damn comic books genre as opposed to like entertainment, arts, and literature. Yeah. <laughs> Matt keeps mentioning the iTunes top ten. I'm not convinced that's a real thing. It is a real thing. Huge thanks to our latest donor, Chris, the British guy, and. If you'd like to help keep us in super pack donations and $10,000 a plate donor dinners, you can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved twoheadednerd.com. Chris, thanks, buddy, but you're a long way off from $10,000. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or the comic that you'd like us to review. And don't forget to check out all the new content. From the THN Love Slaves, like my wife's blog, Girl Meets Nerd, where she makes fun of me on a regular basis, and everyone claps their hands and laughs, and people on Facebook that don't even listen to the show visit it and go, man, that guy's a dork. It continues to be the most popular feature on the website. Gems in the Bin by TD Dubs, who reviews 25-cent comics. It's always a good time. And Lightning Reviews by our very own Aaron Myers, Aaron Myers, who picks out some comics that we didn't necessarily read, or some that we did, and he has a complete different opinion because that guy is whacked out of his mind he's a maverick he's a lunatic remember to follow us on twitter and like our facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion and be sure to check out the web exclusive answer of the week guys i swear we are in the same room and we are going to record the answer of the week as soon as we're done with this outro right now that's at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Next week, the comic pushers are back. There are none higher. Sucker MCs may call them sire. I get that reference. Yeah, there you go. It's Run DMC, buddy. And they'll be making a junkie out of one listener looking for a comic fix before we go. A weekly shout-out goes to my Aunt Deanne Cahey, who listens to this show every week. <laughs> really? Even though she has no idea what her nephew is talking about and is often completely offended by the subject material. Word to you, Aunt Sam. I'm sorry I said wiener. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Solitary confinement, how violent all these cops, they need an early retirement. How many rallies will I watch? I ain't got it in me to march, I gotta send me the spark. The game's in the drought, public housing projects.